What's up, everybody? This is Jay. Just wanted to let you know real quick, this is going to be a different podcast. It's a short synopsis of my life story compressed into a tight little space to where you can fit it in your day and understand a little bit more about the guy behind the microphone. So enjoy, listen along and find out who I am a little bit better. Who am I? The guy you're listening to, Jay Scott. So, let's start at the beginning. You know my name, my age, it's not that important, just know that I'm in my 40s. Where was I born and raised? In Burleson, Texas. Yes, that's right, the sticks, out in the middle of nowhere. At least it was that way when I was growing up. The town has grown quite a bit now, but it was lots of countryside back then and very little industrial city parts to it. So, yes, I grew up in a small town. I grew up with one sibling. Won't say his name, but my brother is exactly one year older than me. Now, that sounds weird to say exactly, but it's true. His birthday is exactly the same as mine. And since we have the same birthday, that turned out to be a huge benefit to my mom and dad by some miraculous way they pulled this off where they had us both on the exact same day a year apart. That's um, amazing planning or just coincidental. Probably the second one I mentioned. So at a very young age... Unfortunately, my mom and dad separated. My dad, he was a long-haul truck driver, so he spent a week or two at a time on the road. And since him and my mom had separated, dad needed help. So he called his mother. His mother had already raised three children at this point and had... A relationship that went horrible and left her a little scarred from it. So, he's now asking her to come raise two young, bouncing boys that could cause her hell. But, luckily she agreed. Or, we could have ended up in a adoption home somewhere. Um, halfway house, whatever the fuck you call it. So, Granny was a loving human being. Sometimes, other times she was super strict. It seemed like it leaned more towards the strict side than the loving side. It's almost like she was bipolar, like she could shift a gear instantly and be like, keep your mouth shut, be quiet. Or she would tell us to shut up. And she was very accustomed to saying curse words along with every sentence that she said when she got pissed off. So she was rough and, uh, it didn't just stop there. I mean, by any means, uh, talking about it by today's standards, she was very physically abusive. She loved to hit me and my brother with things. She always had a switch ready, cut off a tree to, whack us with she'd grab a flask water board whatever anything broomstick um even one of our toys and hit us with it if we pissed her off so 
And you think you're just being a little kid somewhere around like five or six years old. This scares the shit out of you because it's, it's this big, humongous beast you're looking up at. This grandmother you think is uh, frail and innocent and couldn't hurt a fly. Well, she scares the shit out of a little kid. So me and my brother were living in fear of this woman. So, But she did help my dad out. She kept us at home while he was on the road doing his truck driving. Um, but like I said, I mean, we're two young men, not men, two young boys. So boys do what boys do. We, we gave her hell. We asked for a lot of the uh, treatment that she gave us, but she stayed in a bad mood most of the time. And that's just the way it was. And uh, I remember just this overwhelming feeling of anxiety and panic speaking to people. And I believe it's probably because granny programmed me to be quiet by always telling me to keep my mouth shut and be quiet and shut up and all the other various things she said. And to this day, I'm in my forties. I said some of those same Feelings are programmed in me. It's like it's hardwired. It's like it's still there. And I don't know how to delete that programming because it's in the computer and it's, I don't know. It's just uh, once you have something like that hardwired into your brain, sometimes it's hard to get it out. And there's ways to do it out there. I've looked into lots of modalities and lots of therapies that could help doing this. Like, deleting this program and updating the software is what they call it because lots of people look at the brain as a computer but it's very expensive so I've never plunked down the money for some of these modalities and therapy that could possibly change my life now could I? yeah probably but I'm not absolutely sure it's going to be the cure so it's scary to think some of the money that these people are asking, you got to go throw down and just hope and pray it's going to fix that bad programming. Give you that update that you need so that you can move on with your life. So, I'm tired of fear. I say fuck fear. Fuck it. It's a son of a bitch. Nobody likes fear. And if you're living with fear and panic and anxiety attacks... It's a bitch living your whole life like that. So anyways, let's get past that point. That was our childhood growing up, me and my brother. Um, still staying in my childhood, but let's just get to another point of it. When dad came home, the good part, because dad was phenomenal. He was like, he was like our best friend, but... If there needed to be a foot put down, dad didn't mind taking you to his bedroom and putting your hands on the dresser, drop your drawers, and giving you 10 licks with a belt and grounding your ass. But he would always tell you, hey, here's why I did it. You needed to learn a lesson. I still love you. So that was nice the way he handled it. Then at least I understood why I got an ass beaten. 
which I still believe in. I think today's parents should do the same thing my dad did. I don't believe any parent should act the way my grandmother did. So, as I said, when dad came home, it was an escape. It was like breaking out of prison. So, when he was home from the road, truck driving, then we would go outside and play football. We'd go to amusement parks. We would go to the local movie theater. Just something to get away from the house. And granny hated it. She wanted to have control. Too bad. I remember when I was around 12 years old in 1991, I saw a very important movie to me. Terminator 2. That's right. Do any of you know who Arnold Schwarzenegger is? Well, fuck yes, you do. I'll be back. Run for the chopper. Do it. Do it now. Kill me. Come on. I'm here. Do it. Yes, that's him and my bad impersonation of him. Arnold blew me away, man, when I was a kid. He was, like, carved out of granite stone. I mean, think I'm 12 years old. I've seen a couple movies before also with him in it, but that Terminator 2 movie was badass. So I figured at that point, when I was 12 years old, I said, I'm not great at talking to people. And if I'm not great at talking to people, then I'll build a body like Arnold Schwarzenegger, and every door I want will open for me. Sounds like some crazy dream of a kid, right? So I worked on that mission from when I was a teenager to an adult. I studied hard. I mean, I read books about it. I did my push-ups. I got me a little set of dumbbells. (laughs) My dad helped me out with that. And then eventually he got me this little rubber band workout set. (laughs) And I started getting little muscles, man. I started seeing it, little baby baby Schwarzenegger muscles. So as I studied hard, I eventually grew up. And all that studying and all that work I put into training my muscles, I wanted to be a personal trainer when I turned older, you know, when I, when I got of the age where I could start working. So I got a personal trainer certification, and I fell in love with it. I loved working out and I loved showing other people how they could do it correctly. I also got a certification in uh, nutrition so I could help people out with their diets so they could change that aspect along with their training. After I had done the training for a couple years, I thought, well, what's the next step to becoming Arnold Schwarzenegger? Because we're talking like mid-20s now. I thought, Next step is to be a bodybuilder like Arnold Schwarzenegger. So I did three shows and I just did them each consecutive year. I did a show and I realized doing the shows, getting on stage, I was having to take Xanax or something like that so I could get up there because my nerves and my panic attacks and shit like that that I had is the only way I could do it. But I did do it. I did accomplish it, but no matter what, I was wrong. That assumption I made when I was a kid, it was incorrect. The anxiety and the awkwardness was always still there. So it didn't matter if I couldn't talk or express myself to people the way that I wanted to. That's 
it's not going to change just because you develop a badass Arnold Schwarzenegger body. Of course, I'll say this. It did open doors for me. It did make people look at me a different way. I got treated a different way. I didn't get Arnold's exact body, but I mean, at one point, I literally got up to 240 pounds at six foot. Um, not with a super low body fat percentage. This was off season from uh, my bodybuilding shows. The biggest I ever did a bodybuilding show was at uh, 210 pounds. Um, but off season, when I would uh, carve back up and put some body fat on, I got all the way up to 240. So I got to be a pretty big dude. But living life as a bodybuilder is not the healthiest. Takes a toll on you, dehydrating yourself, eating the way that you do and taking the drugs that you do and um it's uh it's tough man you got to have massive respect for the dedication bodybuilders have because it is a hard job it's from morning to night you're working on it it's not just going to the gym and eating a lot of food you got to think about every aspect of this from waking up to going to sleep seriously so anyways after all this and my realization that I couldn't fix my problems with uh, bodybuilding, I at least knew that, hey, I'm helping other people and I got in great shape. So it was not a total loss. I worked at Gold's Gym and they had many regular people there. Most of the people I knew, I made many, many great friends. I even got some of my friends to come there and be trainers. Taught them how to get the certification and get in the door and get the training up there. One thing I realized, though, after many years doing it is I don't make any of the money. The gym makes all the money for my training, and I'm their slave. So that's, you know, it's similar to a lot of jobs. That's just the way it goes. If you don't own the business, you don't make the money. So one of these regulars, <clears throat> pardon me, one of these regulars that I knew was this awesome guy named Hank, and he had a huge influence on me. He was a professor at the local university near Gold's Gym. One day, he randomly walks up to me and says, Jason, what's wrong? I was floored that he walked up and asked me that. It's like he had some intuition or it was on my face or countenance. He could just, he could read me. Well, I had just done a gym tour. I took a family of four and walked them through the gym. And my boss wanted me to sell all of them a membership. Well, remember, I'm great at training. I fucking suck at selling. I can't do it. I'm no good at it. It's that panic and anxiety, especially with a group of people with all their eyeballs on me. I started getting flustered. So I stammered. I lost my words. I broke a really horrendous sweat. And by the end of my talk, the family walked out. I had definitely failed, and I felt like a fucking moron. And so that's what I told Hank. I told him the story of how I fucked that up. And he asked me, how the fuck do you get on stage and do bodybuilding shows then? And I told him the truth. I said, it's Xanax. So he asked if I would change it if I could. And I said, heck yes, man. Heck yes. 
but I can't. I don't know how to. So Hank wanted to offer his two cents. And he was a very smart guy, like I said, a professor at a local um, university. So I listened to him and he explained exposure therapy and an odd group called Toastmasters. Now, whoever is out there listening to this, you never heard of Toastmasters. It's this group you get together in and you do small speeches. You get up in front of a group of supportive people who are all trying to make their ability to do public speaking and, and get better at it in front of a group and be critiqued in a safe environment where you get positive feedback and nobody's making fun of you or laughing and you go, ha ha ha, your fucking speech sucked, you motherfucker. It's no wonder you, you fucking can't do this. Get the fuck out of here, man. Come on, you fucking idiot. That's not the kind of environment it is it's it's amazing for people who need to make some kind of progress dealing with uh, that fear of talking in front of people so that conversation stuck with me for a long time i mean like really long time because this was in my later 20s i think yeah so let's see you're talking about 12 years that shit stuck with me I looked into Toastmasters, yeah, but I never, ever followed through on going to a meeting. I, I take that back. I went one time because it's free to go visit to be a guest because it, it does cost like 60 or 70 bucks to join and get a curriculum like you going to school and it tells you your speeches and all the shit you're supposed to do, trains you. So as a guest, no, no cost. I went one time and sat in on one and I said, fuck that. I am not getting up there at that podium in front of the class. So eventually one day I would join. I just didn't know when. So anyways, let's take a step back from the gym there for a moment. The period of time while I was training, I was also in a heavy metal band. I had been playing the guitar since I was a young kid. And we had a band named Lockjaw. And it was hard rock, heavy metal. Um, sounded like a cross between Metallica and Static X, if any of you guys know who that is. So, we rocked. We put together uh, play sets that were around... 12, 13 songs, all original music, no covers. We didn't do that shit. We wrote our own stuff. Had phenomenal drummer, guitar playing, bass playing. We had a little act we'd do on stage. So we were jamming. We were killing it. We were even got on 97.1, The Eagle, which is a local radio station back then this is before internet was big so we got to do an interview on there we got played we because we did a five song ep cut that we went and recorded and one of those songs got played on the radio um so we were doing good and we were traveling around everywhere here in texas playing all the big clubs and getting paid and it was fun. It was a lot of anxiety for me, a lot of drinking, a lot of Imodium AD, so I wouldn't shit my pants while I was on stage because of the, you know, anxiety nerves. Um, funny, I wasn't the only one in the band that needed that Imodium AD. Somebody else did, which I won't name. But that's what happens sometimes when you have severe nerves, severe panic. 
it gets so bad, like your gut starts churning all of a sudden. It's some people puke, but for me, it was, I had to run to the bowl and just kaboom, explode. And that was not cool. You don't want to be doing that before you got to go get on stage or need to while you're on stage. So you take Imodium AD and that stops it. (laughs) Otherwise, you're going to have a waterfall of shit coming out of your ass. You're going to be Mr. Mudbutt and nobody wants that guy to deal with. He is no fun. So we rocked out for many years and eventually I got to the point where I didn't see us getting signed our rock and roll dream seemed like it was never going to come true. And I said, I'm out. And I left the band and they replaced me with a lead singer. I played the rhythm guitar and I sung or screamed or however you want to look at it. But they found another guitarist and a guy to cover my vocals and they kept the band alive. And it's still alive to this day, which is amazing. It's been a long time. So that was another little side note to my life. Another road I went down to follow through on some of my hobbies, some of the things that I love besides just the uh, bodybuilding, working out, nutritional world that I was in. And yes, I think I did mention this put me on stage all the time when we did our shows. So that's another thing that doesn't make any sense with me talking about having anxiety and panic attacks but there was always free alcohol given to the bands and i drank plenty i stayed boozed up and i could still play the guitar i mean i pretty much could have done it back then with my eyes closed and you know probably one hand tied behind my back (laughs) not really but you know what i mean it was it was just so easy for me so second nature like riding a bike it was not a big deal So I numbed myself to where it was no problem. And that's what I did. And I was very successful at it. And we put on many good shows doing it that way. Anyways, after I quit the band, which I spoke about earlier, um, I was still at the gym. I was still training people. And I eventually had to quit the gym because checks started bouncing our paychecks. And I heard that the owners were in some kind of financial trouble. So since a couple checks had bounced and I didn't get them on time to pay my bills, I thought I'm leaving now. So I found a job over at Metroflex and I got out of there and I swear it was in a month later, they had the doors chained and they knew about this for a while Unfortunately, they kept selling memberships and they kept selling gym training, personal training. Seems pretty crooked. I don't know the full story. I just know what I heard. And I'm just glad I got out when I did. But the gym was like a family to me there. And I loved Gold's Gym and all the people that were involved, even the owners. If they were doing crooked shit, oh, well. I don't know the truth. All I know is they were great bosses and I loved them and I loved all the people that I had become acquainted with at the gym. Like I said, they were just like a second family to me. So it sucked to move on, but I ended up in Metroflex and I met a new group of people and made a new gym family and I started training there and I enjoyed it. It was wonderful being there. But eventually, after a couple years of being there, 
something else came up. A close friend of mine lured me into the roofing industry. He said the money was so much better and it was going to be great. And I had no freaking interest in the roofing industry, but the money he was talking about sounded fantastic. So I gave in and left the fitness world to go be a licensed insurance adjuster. I studied hard, got my license from the state of Texas. So I started doing inspections on roofs, getting people's roofs uh, totaled for the insurance company for hell storms or wear and tear, whatever it may be. And that's what I did for uh, five years with my friend. Um, all along the while, I was still maintaining doing freelance personal training on the side. So I have never stopped doing personal training. It's always been part of the repertoire. It was always something that I was doing on the side, little side hustle, make the extra money. Um, so that is something that I kept persistent in my life because I did really enjoy doing it. I enjoyed seeing the change that it made for people when they incorporated a diet that was correct for them or training that specifically helped change their body the way that they wanted to change it. It's an exciting thing to see your client get results and be able to celebrate with them because they have reached a milestone. They have done something spectacular. And that was one of the most exciting parts about being a personal trainer and a nutritionist for people, for me. Um, eventually, one day, though, the roofing thing came to an abrupt halt. I had just gotten married. And this is in the midst of a horrible time in my life where my dad had brain cancer and he was already supposed to be dead. They gave him six months to live. And here we are like eight months, 10 months into him having it. And he's doing chemo and radiation and all the horrible shit they do to you. Um, when you get diagnosed with a glioblastoma stage four cancer, um, hell, all the cancers are going to do this protocol with you. It's a moneymaker for the hospitals and big pharma cock sucking sons of bitches. But anyways, through the love and care of my family, we kept my dad alive for a year and a half instead of six months. So we got to spend a lot of quality time with him before he passed away. But rewind back to when I was doing the um, roof inspections for the roofing company my friend's roofing company. Well, we had words. We got into a huge fight. And this is just after I got married. I'm talking just after I got married. And he fired me for some of the stuff I said to him. Now, right or wrong, I could tell you my side of the story. He could tell you his side of the story. Whatever it was, it didn't work out for me and him. And that was that. So all of a sudden I'm a married man. I have a wife that just quit her job and now I'm supposed to be supporting her and I don't have a job. So that didn't work out too well. No money coming in, two kids. So 
me and her both put our heads together and devised this plan to do exactly what I was doing over at the other company in a different way of, of sorts. Instead, I was going to run the whole company. I was going to get the roofs. I was going to put the roofs on. I was going to do inspections for people. I was going to do everything. It was going to be a business, my own business. Well, fired up the business. And this is one thing I don't understand too, is right when I got married, for some reason, my wife all of a sudden wanted to stop working. She never mentioned that before we got married, but after we got married, she needed to quit because it was so horrible, the conditions at her work, that she couldn't continue there. That timing was so ironic that she had just quit her job, and then I just happened to lose mine. So, man, that's the way life is. You can't predict everything the way it's going to happen, and when it rains, it pours Everybody's heard that saying, when it rains, it pours. So it was a full on fucking tornado, hurricane, whatever you want to call it in my life at that moment. Um, Six months into my marriage, we had devised this plan with my dad anyways to take care of him between. He lived way out in the country, like I'm talking an hour and a half away from me, hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes, whatever it was. Um. But anyways, so long distance, and it's not just for me, it's for everybody in the family that had contributed through their um, name in the hat to be able to come out there and take care of him so he could have his wish and stay at his property out in the middle of nowhere in the wilderness so he could be around nature with his dogs. We wanted him to have his wish. So we made that possible for him by swapping out when we would go out there and take care of him at different periodical spots during the week. Every two weeks I had him for the weekend. I took him grocery shopping. I would do all this stuff with him, help him cook up some food, blah, blah, blah. So six months into my marriage, it's my time to go out there to hit my, my two weeks where I'm supposed to go spend the weekend with him. Well, went out there, took him shopping, spent some time with him, cooked him up some food, came home house empty Wife had moved out. Why? I'll never know. Can't figure it out. Never did figure it out. Don't give a fuck at this point. But that's what happened. Like I said, when it rains, it pours. So she's also canceled the lease. It was in her parents' name, the lease on the place that we were at. So I have two weeks to find some place to live. (laughs) those moments are freaking great when you get squeezed like that right find out what you got in you what are you really made of how are you going to pull it off so what I did was start calling every person that I could to find out if I could bunk in a spare room until I could get this shit squared away because two weeks is not enough time to find a place to live well I happened upon a room friend uh close friend of mine had a uh, house and had a room and didn't want to just let me bunk there for a moment said i could stay there just pay rent cool that worked out that worked out and what i did was get a just mediocre low-paying warehouse job and what did i do go back to doing some training on the side 
always revert back to the training. So, anyways, that advice a long time ago I got from Hank. Remember that guy I spoke about, Hank, at Gold's Gym when I first started training? He told me about Toastmasters. Well, just recently, past couple months, I got into Toastmasters. I stayed a guest for a long time before I actually did sign up and get the curriculum so I could start doing speeches. But I did my first speech here this past weekend, and... It actually went well. Of course, I was nervous as shit, but hey, just put it out there. Go for it. See what happens. And to my chagrin, everything went fine. The speech went good. I got great feedback. I won a competition between four other speakers. So go figure. How did that happen? Was it pure luck? I don't know. I don't like to think it wasn't just pure luck, but I'd like to think there was some talent involved that I'm a little bit of a smart guy and I do have some things to say and I can write a story that's fun to listen to and present it hopefully in a decent way where I don't have my panic attacks or anxiety attacks in the midst of it. And I didn't at that time. So Feedback was good. And this is one of the things I can definitely tell you that'll build you some confidence if you have any issues like I have with uh, anxiety or panic attacks throughout the years. It's exposure therapy to go do something like Toastmasters. Put yourself in a very scary situation and try and do it often and see if you can overcome some of those fears that haunt you. Some of those things that cause panic attacks and anxiety. See if you can go put yourself in a situation that will force you to go face to face with the fucking demon and bitch slap the shit out of that fucking demon to knock his fucking teeth out and show him who the boss is. Another big project that I took on too, I must mention is this podcast. This is daunting. This is scary. This is something that is pushing me. It's uh, not comfortable for most people to hear their own voice, to record themselves, to put it out there and be scrutinized and judged by other people. But it's something I enjoy doing is research on books, other people, um, research studies from scientists, Or just giving some basic commentary on things going on in life, whether it be the news or new technology or whatever it is that interests me. I like sharing it with you guys. So I was scared to do it at first, but I just bucked up and did it. And this is another thing that's great and it's free to do it. So I say anybody that wants to start a podcast, get your ass out there and do it. And if you need any help, Contact me at contactkeepingitreal at gmail.com and I might be able to throw you some tips or if you just want to leave me a message or something. And that's basically, I think, good enough. That brings you up to where I'm at right now so you know a little bit more about me Jay, who is on this show, constantly 
feeding you information. You're hearing my voice and not knowing who I am or where I came from or what the fuck is going on with me in my life. Well, there it is. That's a short synopsis. There's so much more I could fill in. My whole life story would probably take many, many podcasts for me to tell you more about it. But that's just a little taste, a little tasty tidbit, a little nugget of goodness for you out there in podcast land to chew on. And I hope you don't choke on it. So thank you. Appreciate you being here. And as always, I ask you, if you're listening and you are enjoying the information, you're enjoying coming along the ride here with me, listening along, then leave me a review on whatever site you're on, especially if you're on Apple Podcasts. Please get on there and give me a review. Write one out. Give me a rating via the star system they have five stars is the best i would love it if you could give me a five star review if that's what you feel like i deserve and then again another thing if you know anybody else that wants to listen that loves podcasts and might enjoy some of this information pass it along to one of your friends please that would be a great help for me i would Shake your hand and thank you if I could. But just know you're doing me a a favor. And I appreciate that. So, for now, I will leave you to go do whatever it is you have next on your list. I don't know where you're at right now or what you're doing. But I hope your life is wonderful and rosy. And from here, I will go ahead and check out. And leave you alone until the next time that I have another podcast. And then you'll have to hear more of my shit. So love you guys out there in podcast land. Stay good. Stay safe. Stay out of trouble. I've got lots of stories of getting in trouble if you want to hear those sometime. I don't do that shit anymore. But boy, there's some of them. I guarantee you, you guys would enjoy my stories of trouble that I have gotten into in my life. <sighs> Craziness. Alrighty. Take care until next time. Signing out. Bye. Keeping it real.